and welcome to episode number 90 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Fairway Jay and Brett Colson, where we go over all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the biggest news, and there might be a little bit of news, there might be a little bit of happenings going on this week in the sports betting industry. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening choice is we will be there so be sure and go in give us the rating give us the five-star review give us whatever you know some pleasant words so people can find this podcast and we can continue to climb those charts we really do appreciate it at the lines us on twitter at playpix us on twitter of course we will talk the super bowl and mainly we'll talk super bowl props on this show we will have a full full top to bottom game breakdown Later in the week, we will do two podcasts this week. We'll be coming to you, coming back at you on Friday as well. So be sure and be looking for that one. But let's kick things off here. Uh, and Brett, I'll start with you on the very obvious topic here. Um, one of the weirdest things that have hit me in quite some time from an athlete perspective, because um, I did not know that the death of Kobe Bryant would actually affect me the way that it did. I did not know that it would actually hit home with me and resonate with me as much as it did. But then when I look and Kobe Bryant's, you know, pretty much exactly my age. And now I start to think back on, oh, I basically grew up my entire adult life with this dude kind of as a star athlete and being that guy. I remember now the whole deal of him coming out of high school into the NBA and all of that. And so after I started to connect the dots, I started to understand why this really uh, hit home as, as much as it did. But, um, you know, I think I'll probably remember I think I'll probably remember yesterday for for a really, really long time. It hit me the same way, man. Like the initial feeling yesterday and I saw this all over Twitter was that it couldn't be real. You know, like Kobe was bigger than life. How could he pass away this young? I think there were only like a handful of athletes whose passing would have a worldwide impact like we had on Sunday and Kobe Bryant was one of them. This guy helped build the NBA and and basketball internationally for 20 years. And the outpouring we saw on Twitter and social media everywhere showed what an impact he had on people everywhere. Personally, I was never a Kobe guy while he was playing basketball. I, I certainly respected his tenacity on the court and his drive to win, but I never cheered for Kobe. I think some of that was maybe because my favorite basketball player ever is Shaq. And maybe I felt that Kobe got more credit for those championships than he deserved. Whatever it may be, like I respected Kobe's game, but I wasn't a fan. My admiration for the guy began after he retired when I saw what he was doing for his community and, and especially for kids. Anytime athletes use their fame and status to help others is a big deal. And Kobe embraced that like he wanted to do it. And now, you know, it really hit me when we started seeing videos yesterday of him as a father and a leader of young kids. And it's heartbreaking because there's no question he would have had a massive influence on the L.A. area for decades. This is way more than just a basketball player passing away. This is an icon like this death is a true tragedy because of all the great things, all the great things he was doing and would have continued doing for so many people. It's it's really tough. Yeah, Jay, 41 years old, father of four. Uh, of course, one of his his daughters was in the, the helicopter with the rest of everybody on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that you probably saw as well, it, it really put me on tilt was, you know, everybody trying to be first in the reporting on this as opposed to uh, being accurate and the amount of misinformation and the amount of speculation and the amount of everything that was going on. In those, you know, first few hours after this tragedy went down, I was, you know, of course, I was still glued to Twitter because I was still trying to to get all the information. I was still trying to, you know, make sure that I knew what had happened. But at the same time, I was so incredibly frustrated and so incredibly disappointed in the way that a lot of this was going down, because, I mean, there was just people who were I, I saw the word confirmed, by the way, used several different times only for a tweet to either be deleted or for people to come back later and say, oh, well, the source was wrong or whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, I think this is I think this uh, can also kind of serve for us, you know, media people uh, as a as a cautionary thing moving forward as well that, you know, listen, th- there are people who are always just trying to get clicks and people who are always just trying to get headlines and 
you know, when, when it deals with something as serious and as sensitive as this, then, you know, maybe don't hit that send button. No question. But, you know, when something like this hits, you're going to the, the, the reporting is going to come out initially, of, of course, with an with a person and a name like Kobe. It's 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 sad. It is tragic. And you see the outpouring beyond the basketball court. His accomplishments were unprecedented. Um, but when, when it comes to the reporting and I, I I'd initially heard and confirmed five deaths and then you hear about the daughter. Um, as part of it, and now it's up to nine, and that's uh, kind of, kind of what some of the reporting is always going to be that people are rush for uh, maybe a story, but in this case, um, obviously a global superstar and somebody who impacted not only the game of basketball, but you saw the expansion of the league and his Im- impact, and now you're seeing the outpouring of, like Brett said, you know, the off the court things similar to a Tiger Woods who has foundations and just gives back with so many things that his leg, his, his accomplishments and his obviously earnings also assisted him in being able to give back tremendous amounts. And in this case, he did that. So um, I was real sad to hear that. And then as more and more read about it, you just think back to as we followed him in our age group as well. And, and I'm a little older, but I have three daughters and the sadness of that impact is, um, yeah, really tragic and sad. But as far as basketball accomplishments and what he did on the court, I used to think, you know, so many people that uh, watched basketball and loved the game and, and you could just see the passion and the tremendous play of him. And really what I don't think got enough credit was his defensive, tremendous defensive play and two-way player. Um, but those in our community that bet on the games, there's so many stories and so many times you'd be wagering and, and know that this guy was just a cr- tremendous force and a will to win and the ability to make shots. And um, so there, there'll be more and more reporting and, and more and more stories coming out of this. It's extremely sad to see something like this happen with the, uh, the incredible impact he, he's had. Yeah, it was same with you, Brad. I was never a Kobe guy. Lakers were, you know, the furthest thing from a from a team that I, you know, rooted for or anything like that. I'm a kid from Louisiana, so I, you know, I was certainly never a a Laker fan or anything like that. And you know, once once uh, I only really started paying attention to him once Shaq got over there because again LSU ties and, and Louisiana ties and stuff. And so um, I did start paying attention to him much more. And that's when the, the you know the I you know really kind of started to see what Kobe was able to do and and was able to accomplish on the court but really more than anything you know you you guys have touched on it as well is what's happened after the you know he hung him up and since he hung him up it's really been more about trying to you know give back to the community he you know said on several different occasions that he wanted to make more of an impact off the court than he did when he was on the court and you know, I have no doubt in my mind uh, over the next, you know, 20 years, he probably would have been able to do that with the way that he just kind of goes about life. And you hear the stories of people who did know him and the people who did know him very well. And all you hear is, you know, what an incredible worker he was and the work ethic. And once he puts his mind to something that that is going to get done and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, not only not only, uh, you know, a legend on the court, but a father and apparently someone who was really, really poised to make a difference in this world here over the next couple of decades. So a uh, big, big loss for, for everyone. And it was, it was the first kind of athlete where it's kind of the first kind of athlete death for me that really did hit home. And I, you know, I guess it was just, you look at the age, he's, he's my age. I, he, I, I can't remember a time, Brett, I guess I just don't remember the NBA really at a time where there wasn't like some sort of something being talked about with Kobe because he was getting talked about for a couple of years or a few years before he was even in the NBA because he was, you know, so amazing in high school that it's like you really have to start thinking back like 25 years before you remember uh, a non-NBA, you know, kind of Kobe. Yeah, I mean, he was a big deal in high school. They made a a huge thing out of him announcing that he was going to be skipping college. I mean, he's been in the spotlight since he was 17 years old. So this is, uh, yeah, this is a tragic thing. And like you said, it's, it's more for me about what he's done since his retirement. And, you know, him, you know, his legacy is more of a, you know, an ambassador for not only basketball, but just, you know, building communities and, and helping the lives of young children. It's, it's that, I think that's the biggest, the saddest part of all this is, is what he's done off the court. And it's, he's not gonna be able to do that anymore. Moving on here, um, 
course, there will be, you know, tons of tons more stuff come out over the next week and, um, you know, all kinds of tributes and everything. So just, uh, you know, if you take a look on the Internet, some really touching stuff from people who knew him and his friends as well. Um, here on the podcast, we had talked about, and if you guys uh, listen to our sister podcast as well, over at Legal Sports Sport, the LSR podcast, they have a story up over there. If you want to take a look, Dustin Galker is uh, talking about this whole DraftKings thing that went down with the Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever it is, couple. If you need a quick reminder, a quick kind of jolt, it was just Jade Roper Tolbert went on and won the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. People instantly are very good internet sleuths. And so if you're going to go about doing something in a manner that doesn't seem like it's proper, you can be sure that they are going to figure it out and they are going to find it. That is what they found out here. It looked like that they were trying to skirt the entry limits with the way that the uh, 150 per contest per person. Of course, the husband was max entering all these contests as well. And then, you know, they started comparing player exposure. Next thing you know, bada bang, bada boom. Looks like that there is some shadiness going on here after a, uh, you know, several weeks actually of going through. It looks like DraftKings has decided, Brett, that they are going to pull this from these from these people. And we don't know what's gone on, of course, outside of everything here. All we know is what is going on here front facing and front facing. It looks as if they have been stripped of the million dollars. Yeah, finally, after several weeks, we heard from DraftKings on a Saturday morning, conveniently, uh, that leaderboards had been adjusted to several DraftKings contests and customers would be notified if they were impacted. It did not take a genius to figure out that this involved the aforementioned controversy with Jade Roper Tolbert and her husband. Uh, And lo and behold, a look at the standings from that contest shows that she had been removed completely and the second place finisher was now the winner uh and the one million dollar payday a nine hundred thousand dollar jump from second place massive uh and everybody else in that contest had been bumped up accordingly as well this is about what i expected i think this is a move DraftKings had to make just optics wise and you know what the customers are going to see Uh, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions here. And it's clear to me that DraftKings maybe tried to bury this uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, but we, there's still a lot to talk about here because it's not over in a lot of ways. I have a lot of questions here. Yeah. And, and uh, Jay, they did say, and this is all we got is as a matter of general policy, we do not comment on such matters. And look, I get it. I understand. And I, You know, we speculated here that it seemed like the most likely scenario or at least the easiest scenario for DraftKings might be to just settle with these people, pay them something. You know, again, we're talking about front facing here. They've been stripped of the money. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes here. We thought that perhaps that that could be a route that they could go. I'm not 100% convinced that isn't the route that they decided to go with this. And, you know, if that's what they had to do to kind of make this go away, you know, sometimes you got to do these the, these types of things as companies and, and whatnot. And so it would not surprise me if the, uh, you know, if Jade Roper Tolbert, because they have they've maintained their innocence, you know, this whole time. They, they have been steadfast in this. They've kept a common thread in which is, hey, we didn't do this. We didn't do this. Go ahead and prove it. If we did something wrong, prove it. So um, wouldn't be surprised if they did actually make out on this after all. Perhaps. And again, when we talked about this before, I think there was discussion that people understand that this probably goes on. You know, the Tolberts aren't the only people or users of the DraftKings um, to ever circumvent, to be accused of circumventing the process. And I think that's, um, what people are probably understanding about this is others have probably done this with the entries limits and I got away. You do question a little bit and in their innocence, um, he was saying that uh, Mr. Tolbert was saying that, um, you know, for multiple times we're losing and losing week after week. Why hasn't it been brought up before? Well, um, in this case, you got a high profile, um, and uh, people, and then a lot of money at stake and, it just seems on the surface, I thought, yeah, they're 
of course he he knew what was going on and they were utilizing and definitely circumventing the the process a little bit to take advantage but um like mentioned others have done it and they hadn't maybe come down hard but this will this will definitely show that for future I'm certain this is a precedent they'll take and for for general users and people that um don't put in those kind of entries and the recreational player more the people that are putting in a handful of dollars to have fun I think uh, it, it, you have to take a stand like this to show that they're going to allow um, as many people to get involved and enjoy the process without maybe having such a disadvantage. And uh, it seems like the entry situation was just that to many people. You know, Brett, they're not going to comment on specific situations, but maybe we can put in a request and we'll we'll do this, guys. And, you know, we'll just let you know if they uh, if they say no comment on this. But, you know, I think we can put in a request and just say, were there findings along the way where you found that there were some inconsistencies as well? And were uh, d- is this going to equal uh, any sort of additional changes moving forward from the way that you guys go about looking at these certain things? Because uh, it took a long time. I imagine whenever you start digging into hundreds, if not thousands of contests over the course of you know several months or several weeks or even several years, I don't know. Maybe they ended up finding a whole new treasure trove of information, you know, either not only against the the ropers, but maybe against other people as well. So maybe there maybe there are additional changes or additional kind of uh, accounting and, and ways that happen before these big payouts get paid. Yeah, we talked about the uh, the other example of this with the Crowley brothers. Like, why why did DraftKings decide now to disqualify a player for for these rules violations when you know, a very similar and arguably worse example of this was not penalized before? I, that's that's one question I have. And like you said, I want to know what DraftKings is doing to protect consumers from this cheating going forward. You know, is it is it even possible to do that? How many others are doing this every week? Uh, I think this is a good step DraftKings has taken to deter people from doing the same thing and, and customers are going to maybe more likely, maybe they'll feel a little bit safer when they enter these big contests going forward. But precautions still need to be in place to detect these kinds of things. The, the fact that internet det- detectives caught this and brought it to the, uh, to the forefront is, is a problem. So you've mentioned, and we'll, we'll move on to Super Bowl props here in just a second, but you've mentioned before that you know, every now and then during football season, um, your your wife will throw a few lineups into into a, a contest or something like that. If DraftKings came out and said to you, and you got an email and it said, "Dear Mr. Colson, after you know a couple of different things that have happened within our system, we have decided that we are only going to allow uh, this X amount of entries from a household. So it's no longer even a single user. It comes down to like a household. So if you are married or if you are whatever it might be, um, that, that that's as many as that, that's as many entries as they would allow you to have in a contest. Would you, would you be upset? Would you care? Would you think that this was, that you were getting shortchanged or would you look at that as, as, Hey, at least they're taking a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. As long I, I want to be playing in the safest environment. So if that involves, uh, you know, a max per IP address or max per household limit, that's okay with me. I think one problem DraftKings has right now is they allow too many entries per player, and it's just too difficult to track everything that's going on. So if that's what it takes, yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm also not a, not a big, you know, mass entry guy. That's where I was going. With, with, but if, that's exactly where I was going with this. That if even if they made that change, that's going to affect like. 0.05% yeah like 0.05% of people so it almost seems like a no brainer to me right i mean like it's like one you know 150 lineups into a contest per household so if you want 75 and you want to give your wife 75 then more power to you but it's going to be 150 total and you know how you divide that up is is you know that's that's up to you but that's just uh that's going to be the rule yeah, and then you run into the issue of like you know college, college dorms, and you know the people, you know five, six guys who live in a house together. Then you run into that issue, I guess. But still, I mean, if it if it prevents the the intent of people to cheat the system, I'm all for it. Yeah, the the yeah the IP address thing would be difficult. I think you know at least if you did household, you know if you're at the same if you're with the same last name and at the same address, then that seems like that could be a pretty easy way to at least start, and then you move on from there. But 
any way you go about it, it is certainly going to be uh, a rough road ahead because there's, like you said, there's probably no real surefire answer as to how to go about dealing with all this. It's just a really, really crazy, uh, really, really crazy scenario. That said, I still think these are questions that DraftKings needs to address, and I would love to get some answers. Guys, as we know, we're sitting here coming to you early on Monday because we wanted to get at you a couple of times this week. I mean, this is this is it, right? I mean, this is the week here for the big game, the grand game, the superb owl, whatever you want to do, however you want to go about calling it. Um, we have probably what ended up playing out to be the two best teams in the NFL in the game, which is something we can be very excited about that doesn't feel like someone lucked their way in here, feel like we have the two best teams here. And this is um, kind of probably what we're seeing reflected in the line move here, or Jay, I guess I should say lack thereof whenever you look at this, because nobody is uh, nobody's moving this line. I mean, really here across, whenever you take a look in Las Vegas, we have been sitting steadfast at one at pretty much every shop since this thing, you know, since after immediate open. Yeah, a lot of shops did open at pick and it moved to one pretty quickly because of a lot of Kansas City action. But then after that, I mean, it has been stuck at one. You can find a one and a half just at the stations here in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, I guess my first question to you, we know the casuals haven't rolled into town yet, so they'll start getting here about Wednesday and certainly we'll start seeing an impact on the betting market come Thursday when people roll in for that long weekend here in Las Vegas. Do you think that this line moves any more once we really and truly get that casual money into uh, into Vegas and even into some of these other uh, places that take uh, legal legal wagering now? Hard to say. I, I We're certainly doesn't appear we're going to see it go over a key or up to three or maybe even two and a half. It's possible. I suppose you might see some two pops late in the week if there's some more support on Kansas City. I know in checking and some of the things we get, we see some pretty good sized bets coming in on both sides. Uh, but the biggest move, of course, has been on the total. And that has gone up and made a pretty sharp move. And uh, you're hearing and seeing reports of at least 90% at some books as of like Friday at DraftKings, I think 90, better than 94% of the money is on the over. And that's why you've seen the adjustment upward and now over 54 as well. Brett, I think the only thing that we've really seen as far as discrepancy goes is over on the East Coast, they have they have really they really got to one and a half quickly and have just stuck at one and a half as to where here in Vegas it just went to the point and then stuck at the point there. Um, but that's really about it. I mean, we're not seeing any sort of regional bias change. We're not seeing any sort of the view on any of these teams uh, alter the lines or anything like that. I mean, we have pretty much since we did the the pod a week ago from today been sitting about one, one and a half. And uh, I have not seen this thing toggle really at all. Yeah, and I don't see this moving a whole lot. I'm a Jay. I think potentially we could see some twos, especially in, on the East Coast, but I can see this holding steady most of the week leading up to kickoff. The total has been the story and it has been wild so far. Yeah. And and I actually think that there's a chance this total, we could see 55, maybe even 55 and a half, because that is something we know will be pretty much one way action on the over until the, you know, the, some of the bigger bankroll people start to come in and, and buy back on the number but because I mean the the general public and this is this is not even a small sample size I mean this is talking to bookmakers over the last you know 20 years that the the general public comes in and they just bet over they will blindly bet over it does not matter what the two teams are it does not matter what the perception of the game is they want to sit down in that sports book on Super Bowl Sunday that they made the trek to Las Vegas for. They want to pop their uh, they want to pop their first drink early in the morning and they want to root for points. They do, certainly do not want to sit there and root for uh, defense and root for teams to get into the red zone and stall and kick a field goal. That's like certainly nothing that they want to be doing. So uh, it would not surprise me to see this thing kind of maybe even get over 55 before we start to see some heavy buyback. Yeah, we talked to John Sheeran over at FanDuel last week and he said that they would own probably – probably only go to 55 and cap it there regardless uh, of how much action. And it, it, you're right. It has been all one way. I know. It, I think it was super book yesterday. That said 99% of the money is coming on the over. That's insanity, but 
And there really, it doesn't look like there's been a whole lot of pushback since the number has moved now to 54, even 54 and a half right now at FanDuel. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how much money has come in on the over and, you know, what kind of sweat these books are going to have on Sunday because it's, it's going to be a massive difference in handle on the over and under. Well, Jay, one of the other things that we see now, especially just over the last five years, the, you know, with the way that we've worked and moved into media here with so many different ways to get hit. I mean, you know, you're catching articles and, and stuff on, on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram and every, every other place that you're getting all these things. And all it is is, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and how awesome the 49ers were this year and blah, blah, blah. Like the, the, the hype machine for how good these teams are hits you way, way harder than it did even five years ago. And so, you know, I, I, I can understand why the average Joe is just going to randomly walk in there and sit his $20 or his $50 that he's decided he's going to bet on the game on that over because, hell, he's been told 300 times by the time he gets to the counter how awesome both of these teams are. Yeah, and that's, you know, you look at some of the results these teams have had, not only this season, but remember KC was part of that historic Monday night game against the Rams where they just piled up points and set records on offense, and, and they have that explosive ability. You've seen it again this season, and right now they're coming in the Super Bowl, obviously on a roll at 8-0 straight up and against the spread, covering all these numbers and, and doing it again in the playoffs with, I think now Mahomes and four, four, Mahomes is four playoff games all at home. I believe he's uh they've scored at least 30 points in every game and this is different san francisco's defense is um they're legit and they're you know number one across the board in a number of categories but we also saw when san fran's defense wasn't quite as healthy um you saw the shootout with new orleans this year on the road and um the niners have that capability on offense as well to be more balanced and put up points and the thing that also as i start to look at this and why I don't have a total play and I didn't play the over um, as it's moved. And I am having a tough time even making a case because um, I'd like to, to, to play the under, but you know, these coaches are two tr- great offensive minds and, and with the time to prepare and the, 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 the ability, I think to attack maybe the weakness of each defense, not as many, not as many weaknesses, obviously on San Francisco, but I think, um, when you start to look at Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan and their offensive coaches, they have proven that they can game plan and scheme. And Andy Reid's, you know, record for a long time off of a bye week has been tremendous. And uh, you saw that in the first playoff game. Texans defense not very good, but they blew the doors off after a slow start to that game. And um, I, yeah, I can definitely see why the money's coming over. I mentioned a week ago that is in a comparison, thinking that the Tennessee total was um, in the in the fifties, and I thought, God, the Super Bowl total will probably be right around fifty. And you have a top defense like San Fran, and yet they're still hammering the over. So I can support it. See, I see how the support is there, and don't see uh, uh, a lot of buyback coming personally. Personally, in in fifty five, I won't be surprised to see it go higher. FanDuel says they're going to cap it there. I think, uh, unlike last year, we had the real dud and there was some excitement that we might see some more scoring with the Rams offense. I don't think this will disappoint. There's going to be scoring and there's going to be a lot of um, really good offensive plays and schemes to uh, set that up, I think. Let's talk some props here, Brett. This is, again, we'll do the full game breakdown and where we finally have ended up and what bets that we have ended up on. We will do that on Friday here, so be sure and, and tune in for that one. But let's talk the props. I mean, this is just an unbelievable, unbelievable prop market that we have already out there right now. I mean, I imagine even by game time, we will still get additional props added. You can go to our friends over at PointsBet, and you click on the game, and it will say, uh, you know, whenever you can go to the additional bet types, it says 441 bet types that you can have on this game right here. So over 400 different ways that you can bet the Super Bowl. Of course, here in Las Vegas, they had the big unveiling of the prop sheets over at the Westgate. It's a big thing every single year. Anyone who's anyone heads over there to get that done for the people that live here uh, in Vegas and goes over there and tries to hit those early if they think that there's a soft spot in any of those numbers. But it is a... It is a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of ways that you can go after this game. And, you know, I think we'll talk through some of the ones here that we think are, are fairly interesting. 
Yeah, there appears to be a competition between the books as to who can offer the most ways to bet on the Super Bowl. And that's a good thing for betters because the more options on the board, the less attention the operators are going to be paying to each of them. And I, I look at props as a way to maximize value on a game script without actually betting on the final result of the game itself because the spread, the total, the money line are going to be the sharpest numbers on the board. Uh, they generate the most action from betters, and therefore the books are, are constantly watching and updating and adjusting those lines. But now with so many ways to bet on the on the big game, you can dig through these prop bets and find inefficiencies to get value on the results of the game without actually betting on the game. And and the best way to do that is by line shop, line shopping, and we'll we'll get into that in a, in a bit. But yeah, I, I'm I I mean every time I look. I see more props on the board at DraftKings and points bet. It seems like those two, I think they're both over 400 uh, options right now. And it, I think by the, by the end of the week, we'll see maybe a couple hundred more. It's pretty wild. Jay, one of the things Brett said that I think we can elaborate on here is for people who are doing this for the first time and going at it for the first time. And there probably are a lot of people listening to this who will be going at this for the first time with all the new markets that are available out there. Um, you know, Brett said, hey, listen, it's a way to get additional action down on how you think that a game script could go. So basically, you know, we want you to tell yourself a story and then bet accordingly to that story that you tell yourself as to how this game is going to pay, play out. And the reason why I, I want to drive that home here is because I've seen this even amongst my friends on multiple occasions where they go in and go. Oh, yeah. So I'm on the let's just say in, the, you know, in this scenario here, like, oh, yeah. All right. So I'm on the Chiefs and I'm like, OK, cool. And then like, OK, and I've got uh, I've got over rush yards for Mostert and I've got over, you know, and I've got under passing yards for what uh, for Garoppolo and I've got whatever. And, I, and it's going and, you know, then I start to ask him, like, well, you know, what way do you find this to what in what direction do you think this game has to go for the Chiefs to win? And he's like, oh, well, you know, this, this, this and this. And I'm like, well, you've now bet against yourself here. Like, how are you betting under Garoppolo passing attempts and over on Mostert rushing yards if you think the Chiefs are going to go out there and have this massive, massive day? And, and, you know, so it's basically what I don't like to see is somebody end up with a handful of props in their account. They've got 20, 30 props that they've bet. And there's no way for them to profit on the day because they've bet against the way that the game could go on half of those uh, props. And so basically all your your best case scenario is just is is breaking even and maybe paying a little juice to the books. They don't they don't you know, maybe necessarily have the time or the interest to just study all the stats and figure it out. So there's so many places you can go listen to opinions and, and thoughts. But if you are going to get into it a little bit more um be on and, and have a little bit more money on it and you're doing this from a handicapping perspective, you want to, yeah, you want to try to play out the game on how you see it. Now, that being said, you um, look at the 49ers and the Packers and, you know, someone might have had a strategy in that game and, and it got out of hand. So you had Rodgers not even, you know, like minus four yards into the second quarter passing and he finishes with over 300 because the game didn't play out maybe how many expected uh, with such domination. And then what can happen is you see that a whole different scenario can happen with regards to a passer. In that case, he's going against the softer defense. So you, you have to make adjustments maybe in some of your in-game if you're if you're betting and many people know that. But with regards to the props, yeah, try to set a strategy on how you see it this is such a intriguing matchup because of the offensive capabilities but also san francisco's defense and we're not going to see a lot of line movement we, we talked probably on the spread but with over so many hundreds and hundreds of props if you start to get into the player props yeah i i say always enjoy the interest enjoy the uh you know we've been in vegas and seen this for many years the number of props being offered and it's just going to continue to grow and grow with more sports books and the legalization and, and the opportunities and the discussion now more in the media you're going to see larger handles you're going to see interest and i say you know enjoy it and, and get involved in the the opportunities really because there are some uh, with regards to the numbers you can shop and see different uh, and pretty significant differences in the player numbers and uh, try, try to bet accordingly if you've got those outs so Brett let's hit on a few of these props here that uh, you know certainly the most popular ones and one of the very most popular is the MVP so betting on the Super Bowl MVP one of the very, very, very most handled props that any of the sports book get, and rightfully so, right? Because 
it's a bet that you make that actually lasts all game long because you're looking at a scenario where you have a a you know you don't get the Super Bowl MVP until after the until after the game is over. So you get to you get an additional sweat for the entire game. You're rooting for a certain player, a certain outcome here. And what we see is that the, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo are the very heavy betting favorites here. Patrick Mahomes barely over even money at most places, actually even money at points bet and Fox bet at William Hill. You actually got to lay at minus 150 if you want to bet Patrick Mahomes to win the the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy. And, you know, you even look at Garoppolo and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, two tens, two twenty fives, two fifties out there. There are a couple of uh, over threes here in Vegas. Now they, you know, at South Point Westgate and Circa, if, if any of y'all are making the trip out to Vegas, you actually can get three dollars, three and a half and th- uh, plus three seventy five over at Circa on Jimmy Garoppolo. They are not quite as high on him as the East Coast books are. But the reason we're seeing this number, Brett, is mainly because this is an offensive award. We have seen, we have, you know, we know the sample size of quarterback of, of Super Bowls here, which is 53 of them. Of those, we have 29 quarterback MVPs of the 53. We have seven running backs and seven wide receivers. So you can see right then and there the overwhelming majority of the MVPs go to an offensive player and very heavily weighted towards the quarterback position. Yeah. I I think betting the MVP is a, is a decent way to get action on the winning side without actually betting on the, on the team. Like you can get Mahomes in most places still at plus money right now. And you cannot get the chiefs at plus money on the money line. So, I mean, if if you think the chiefs are going to win, You've got to figure out how often Mahomes is going to win the award. Right. Like it's and not like you, you, Jay. Like let's uh, go ahead and use the example as you go through this from like last year's game where the Patriots won, but Brady didn't win the MVP. You you basically would have to have a performance where a quarterback just didn't the 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 winning team wins, but the quarterback did not get into the end zone very very often, and there's just not a lot of scoring. And I guess. Um, Brett, if if we're if we're handicapping this Chiefs team, a path to victory where they don't score a lot of points seems pretty unlikely. Very unlikely. I I don't I I I can't picture that script. Honestly, it's it's hard for me to get there. Uh, the other side though, for the Niners, I could see it playing out very like a lot of different ways. I, I could see. Mostert winning MVP. I could see Joe. I could see Bosa winning MVP. Like if, if the Niners shut down this juggernaut of the KC offense, why why can't a defensive player win MVP? So I, I could see different things playing out on the Niners side, but for KC, I think it has to be Mahomes. Like it's such a high percentage of the time that I don't really see a whole lot of value on anybody else, and even Mahomes at barely plus money is is just is hard to eat. But I think if anybody's going to win it on KC, it's obviously going to be Mahomes. Yeah, I I think it's one of those scenarios where you play this by what type of bankroll you're working with, Jay. And I'd like to hear your kind of thoughts and opinions on this. Like if you've got a big enough bankroll where you can put enough money down on a Mahomes and feel comfortable in the fact that you're only going to be getting, you know, plus 120, plus 125 in return. And if you're okay with that, then I, I think that that's probably the way to go here if you believe that the Chiefs are going to win the game. But if you're if you're someone who is a, you know, a Chiefs believer or even if you have really no opinion on the game all that much and you just want to get some action down and you're not one of the bigger bankroll players, I think this is, you know, I think this is a fun sweat where you can go one of these longer shots and and, you know, have have fun throughout the course of the game rooting for that player to to do well I I don't you know I I strictly look at these type of bets as as more of the difference between what you're walking into from a bankroll perspective because no casual better wants to put down their hundred dollars and then only win a hundred dollars back whenever they win it you know no one wants to get even money on a bet like this if you're a small bankroll type player they want to be getting you know the 15 16 20 or in Brett's case like listen there's a story you could paint for yourself where Nick Bosa could certainly be the guy. If he goes in there and gets, you know, three sacks, a strip 
a, a strip sack along the way or something happens to get a fumble recovery or, you know, let's just say the the ultimate way that this gets home is all of that equals him, you know, getting a scoop and score or some kind of scenario like that, getting him at 50 to one at William Hill. You know, I mean, I think that you go into this with your what you want to be able to get in return and then just uh, kind of tackle it that way. Yeah, and again with Mahomes at plus one ten or even money for an MVP, you've got you know you can play the over unders on his rushing, passing, you know completions, and and have the same return. And there's probably um, if you're scripting the game again, there's probably better ways to determine if you want an EV money bet like that than MVP. I don't think there's any question if the Chiefs are to win, and that's the thing is this is a tough call. I think we all have. We can make a case for each side here, but if if the Chiefs were to win, yeah, Mahomes is clearly a favorite, and yet there's some other intriguing potential and matchups, and in, 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 in one of them is Tyreek Hill. Beyond just the receiving and his deep threat, and certainly if he caught a, a long touchdown pass or two, that's going to increase his chances, but also give Mahomes more yardage to uh, what I think the voters would sway towards as the quarterback. But again, Tyreek Hill, he's also a punt returner, and if he were to have a punt return touchdown as, uh, as part of his, we'll say, resume in, in, and they win the game, that's going to certainly increase his chances. Um, the other is, what's interesting is that the leading receiver in the playoffs for the Chiefs is actually Sammy Watkins, who has almost 200 yards receiving in two games. He has just one touchdown, whereas Kelsey's got three and Hill two. But he's an interesting long shot if uh, you know the if the 49ers are to really dig in and, and put coverage more so on Hill and or Kelsey. But it's obviously difficult to cover them all, which um, I think is the reason why Mahomes is more likely is he's going to spread the ball probably around. And, and, and if there's touchdowns to be had, he's the favorite. Now, if I go to the San Francisco side, um, Garoppolo, to me, Mozart, if the chief, if San Francisco is going to win. Again, he just comes off a huge game. I'll start with four touchdowns, 220 rushing yards. He's not going to probably get that against the Chiefs, but he's going to be the focal point. And I think from a value side, he's probably has it. He definitely, I think, has it more than Garoppolo. And then when you start to consider uh, the, the the number on Garoppolo at um, – to win the MVP versus Mahomes, it just doesn't seem as if San Fran were to win that um, you're more likely to you're not as likely to see Garoppolo probably win it because I think the 49ers mo has been they're going to run the ball and try to probably control the clock a little bit more and keep get Chiefs offense off and yet they have the balance and ability I think Mozart certainly would be able to go off and the receiving threat there of course is probably a focus on Kittle but does a tight end win the MVP like not likely so it's uh there's just a lot of intriguing opportunities I think in the MVP award but for even money for me I wouldn't I don't play Mahomes. I can certainly see why people, and I don't know how you put big major bets on it, but like you said, if you have the bankroll, maybe a step into Mahomes. And it's not something I would do, but I think uh, I can certainly see the case for him. Brett, I agree with what you're saying, though. Like on the 49ers side is where it gets a little tricky, right? Because, I mean, you know, Garoppolo being only, you know, at the, you know, a little over three to one here in Vegas. If you're over on the East Coast, you're only getting a little over two to one. I don't think a game script plays out where we think that Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there and throws for, you know, 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game. That doesn't seem how they really want to deploy him. And then, you know, you got Mostert, but then there's a lot of other mouths to feed in that offense. I mean, you look at Mostert in week, you know, in week, 13 he had 19 carries he went for 146 yards but then after after a massive game like that where he goes for 146 yards in weeks 14 15 16 17 and 19 didn't have more than 14 carries in a game he did not clear 70 yards in any of those games including games of like 53 54 57 58 whenever we're talking about that so we've seen Shanahan kind of like rotate these backs so often with an extra week to prepare for this game. I I don't know. It's uh, it it would not surprise me if they came out and I'm not going to say shock the world, but uh, for lack of a better term here, shocked the world with how they kind of go about this whole running back split and running back situation there. Well, yeah, first, the only way Jimmy G throws for 300 yards is if the Niners are losing a play from behind. So I don't see it. I don't see him uh, winning MVP. Uh, And I can't like you. I can't bet on Mostert because, like you said, Shanahan's a hot hand 
type of guy with that running back rotation. We might see him go with Matt Breda. I think Matt Breda is the best running back they have. Well, so, like, listen, why- that's why he's like my my first touchdown, which is another very popular prop bet. I think he's probably the best long shot of of all of them out there, right? I mean, like if you're talking first touchdown of the game, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, maybe he decides that that he the, he likes the way Breda looks on this first drive or something, and they get down to the three yard line, and, and Breda's the one that gets the carry. Totally, I can see Breda being a sneaky prop over type of guy and a sneaky DFS guy uh, for for Sunday as well. Uh, As for the 49ers, I I will be putting a small bet on Bosa for MVP for the same reason that I liked Von Miller when he won the award for the Broncos uh, against Cam Newton and the Panthers and that high powered offense. An edge rusher who can completely blow up a game, force a key turnover or two, like bet on the best defensive player on a really good defensive team because like I said, if the Niners can find a way to contain this KC offense, that's a big story. And voters will consider defensive players uh, when deciding on a winner. So I, I will have a Bosa MVP in my account. That's probably the only one I'm going to have, though. Uh, I can't I can't get on anybody else. I can't find anybody else I like here. Yeah, one of the uh, – we just mentioned that. The player to score first touchdown, another popular prop, and, of course, one that gets home fairly early in a game, typically. It didn't last year, of course, but uh, typically gets home so you know whether you've got a, a win in your account or not. Uh, again, I'll I'll go back. Um, I actually went ahead and put some money on on Matt Breda. Uh, Circa here in Vegas was offering him at twenty four to one on that. Uh, we're talking about a guy that had double digit carries in eight of the team's first nine games. He was also getting a few catches per game over that stretch as well. Then he gets hurt. He's out weeks 11, 12, 13, and then barely plays in week 14. Then he doesn't have more than eight carries in a game for the rest of the season because that's when Mostert really started to pick things up. And then Tevin Coleman, of course, worked his way back into the lineup as well. Now we know that Tevin Coleman's hurt and an extra week for Breda to kind of, you know, get worked back into this offense like he was at the beginning of the year. I don't know. I think it's a fairly fairly good at 24 to 1 where you can still get 20 to 1 at DraftKings um over on the East Coast if you're over there anyway. Uh getting a 21 down 20 to 1 down on Breda to score the first touchdown, I think you could do a lot worse. As far as other Breda props, well, how do we see this playing out if if the if the Niners are playing from behind? Who is the back that's on the field that's their pass catching back? That would be Breda, right? If, if Tevin Coleman doesn't play, isn't Breda going to get more snaps if they're playing from behind? It, absolutely. I mean, really, that's why I'm waiting on that to get a little bit more information on Tevin Coleman this week and what they think that his role might actually be. But I can assure you this, and this is for all the listeners out there: if you want to play along, if you want to play along with me. If you want to, uh, if you want to see how I'm going to be playing this game, I, you know, I'm. I, we talked about it already. I'm on the Chiefs as it is. I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. If that's the if that's the case, then obviously I think that the 49ers are going to have to be playing from behind. And so, Brett, you led me exactly to where this is going to go. That if I get any sort of news throughout the course of this week that one Tevin Coleman's just going to be extremely limited, which means probably he just will find himself on the sideline, or two that he's definitely going to be out, then you are going to find me hammering and I'm talking hammering every single Matt Breda over prop that I can find in the past game in every single book that will allow me to get down on it. Yeah. And this is a good lesson to, for everybody to pay close attention to the news this week, because every item has an impact on the props market. Like you said, if, if Tevin Coleman is, is said to be limited, then get in on some of these Matt Breda overs because he's going to get more snaps as a result. So, I mean, it's, it's really important if you are playing props to so just follow all of the news, you know, like who is going to be, who's going to, is, is Richard Sherman going to be shadowing anybody this week? Like those, those types of things, like every little piece can help you uh, find inefficiencies in the market. And I think the, the Tevin Coleman, Matt Parada one is a big one. Jay, as far as any of the props that are out there right now, um, have you been, have you been, have you gotten down on any of them? Are there any that are interesting you that you're digging in a little bit further? I mean, it could be any of the passing, rushing, receiving, any of those type of props that have kind of jumped off the page to you. Um, I haven't dug into. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give some comments on uh, pro betters are forwarding me a lot of information, and uh, one of them is to play over on Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes's rushing yards, and if you were a DraftKings better or had 
chance to get there. They have the lowest number, I think, at 24 and a half. You're seeing more. And again, the differences that you see in numbers, you see many at 29 and a half and pushing upward. He had 53 rushing yards in both playoff wins, exact number. My concern is when I go back during the season, later in the season, um, when they played New England and uh, the Bears, and another strong defensive team in three consecutive weeks. He, in fact, against Patriots, I think had six carries for six yards. He wasn't able to eclipse more than 21 yards um, rushing. And, you know, again, another reason for him to be MVP is he's already shown he, he's, they'll, they'll run him. They'll put him as a potential rushing threat near the goal line to score. But um, that that's a prop that's come up. I haven't bet it. And yet uh, it, it got me a little hesitant when he went against a strong defense. He wasn't quite the factor. And uh, in this case, though, but if, he, if he's getting a heavy rush, he's certainly a threat to break out of the pocket and make 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 that a, make that a possibility. I'm uh, with you guys on the Breda props. I actually, even though there was encouraging news in, about Tevin Coleman and um, I, I, yeah, he might play, but I just don't see how he's a factor if that with a shoulder injury like that when you've got two other really good options. So I think Breda prop is, is an interesting one. And yet I'm not certain Mozart has, even though he had the big game and you saw some higher rushing numbers, I really think he's going to be the workhorse. They've shown that the, you know, when Tevin Coleman was the leading rusher against the Vikings in the playoffs and had over hundred rushing and, and the score, it was, it was, uh, uh, Mozart, who going into that game had scored, I think, in six straight games and had become the workhorse, is not in, not in number of carries, but the guy that's getting the ball um, and in key situations. So it's uh, intriguing in that regard, and I still think he's going to have the ability to get enough rushing yards to probably get over his total. I'm still going through a lot of breakdown. Yeah, I'm, you're always at risk of missing some numbers. I was at the Westgate when they opened the numbers and saw the lines and it's people waiting, and I have guys that forwarded me. Uh, you know, I've got over Mozart receiving uh, recept, uh, receiving yards at nine and a half, and then he bets another two grand at the Westgate under 17 and a half. And so those are the kind of opportunities you have when you are um, making prop bets to find that kind of discrepancy and that kind of middle opportunity. Um, right now, I'm still evaluating. I, I won't have major bets. I definitely like recreational, and I'll probably take more of a position when I study it a little bit more and break down the matchups and, and all the statistical profiles I go through. Well, Brett, I'm sure you know whenever I hear him say that everyone's talking about betting the over on uh, Patrick Mahomes rushing uh-huh. yards, that brings a <laughs> smile to my face as you got the message from me last week that I had maxed bet that uh, a couple of different times uh, for for over 24 and a half as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I just looked at the way that this defense plays out as well. If you think that there's going to be uh, some pressure getting home. One of the things is, is they're going to be getting home with that pressure with just four guys because they just don't blitz. The 49ers just don't blitz very often at all. Right. They, they're they so good with that front four. So he's not going to be running away from a blitz. And so with that being the case, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes could have some real success here uh, in, in as far as uh, running the ball, and especially with as much zone as they play. There'll be little pockets where he can go and just grab seven, eight yards uh, at a time, you know, here and there along the way. So I uh, really am a, a pretty big fan of that one as well. So pretty glad to hear that one. Uh, Brett, what about you? What other props? I know you uh, we talked about it uh, a couple of days ago. There's a couple that you decided to get down on. And again, this was p- bets that you uh, people are going to say, wait a minute. You said this. No, no, no. These are bets that you made strictly because you're telling yourself the way that you feel that this game script is going to go and you have now bet accordingly. So even though you're betting on the opposite team, it still plays in line with how you think the game is going to play out. Yeah, exactly. I've got two bets in my account right now and both are playing off the script that the Chiefs are going to win a relatively high scoring game. And both of these are overs on 49ers passing props. I got Jimmy G completions over 20 and a half at even money. And I've got over George Kittle, 67 and a half receiving yards at minus 112. Both of those at DraftKings or can be lines. I got I got it, it here at the, the local uh, sports book that just opened in Buffalo. But uh, the Kittle price w- was by far the best anywhere, really. It's 67 and a half. I'm seeing 71s and even higher uh, at the various books. And so I hopped on that pretty early and it has climbed considerably. So, I mean, there's, there's definite value in looking at where these open and comparing where they are elsewhere. And you're going to find some opportunities because the books aren't going to be as quick to update these uh, as 
other, you know, as, as you know, the money line and, and the spread and, and the total, those sorts of things. So, I mean, they're going to be, especially early, hopefully we didn't miss, a, you know, a big window. Uh, but there, I think there's still even even here on Monday, I think there's still some opportunities to, to, to find some pricing discrepancies and maybe even some some middling opportunities. There was a really good one uh, last week on the Manny Sanders receiving yards. I saw 40 and a half at DraftKings and 48 at uh, points bet. So, I mean, you bet the over at DraftKings and the under at points bet and you've got seven yards of, of, of a middle there that just you could win both sides of the bet. So, I mean, those are the opportunities that you can be looking for if, if you're putting a lot of money down, uh, a lot of volume for, for your prop bets this week. As usual, I'll have a video that I'll make. I'll run down some of my most favorite ones on the week. I do want to close things out here, though, talking about some of these game props that I know a lot of people want to bet and just basically giving you a little bit of perspective. And that does not mean do not bet these because, hey, look, they're fun and they pay out big. But I just want to give you a little bit of perspective on the deal. Like um, one of the things that we look at is will there be a safety during the game? And you see that these play, pay out, especially at like DraftKings and points bet, you know, plus 900 on the yes. And you go, man, I remember there being a safety you know, in, in the, you know, this Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. And, and the thing is, is you probably do because it has been a freakishly high percentage of safeties in the Super Bowl. It's, it's just very incredibly weird that there have been nine safeties in the 53 Super Bowls that we have had so far. And that is just an ab- extremely abnormally high percentage of safeties. It's actually over 4X what you have seen since the NFL has played games starting in 2010, if you go back to 2010 and you start uh, charting every game from 2010 until now, there's only a safety in about 4% of games, whereas the the percentage of Super Bowls sits like closer to 18% of Super Bowls where we've seen safeties. So just know whenever you see that, that, yeah, you probably do remember there being a safety in the Super Bowl because it's just happened at a much much higher clip than you would ever, ever expect. And certainly, certainly not something that is sustainable. Um, Overtime, will there be overtime? You look and you get that huge number. There's only been one Super Bowl ever that's gone to overtime. You remember overtime games in your head way more than you remember games that just end because typically overtime games are more exciting. And you remember that, you know, how the team came back to tie it at the end or something. And then it game went and then the game went to overtime or you remember that the team never got the ball back and the game was over in overtime and whatever. So you, you remember overtime games more. But honestly, the same goes with the safeties. It's just that there aren't very many overtime games when in the grand scheme of things when it comes to actual percentage of games played and then the other is the will there be three unanswered scores in the game will a team either team score three unanswered times and people have looked at this and I've even had friends so far already this year text me and say wait a minute that's a minus on the yes and I think that what happens here is you don't really tell yourself the story as well as you have to with a bet like that where there really only has to be one defensive stop for a team to be able to get the yes on this prop bet here. You get the ball back at the end of the first half. You go down, you kick a field goal to end the first half. It goes to overtime. You're the team that gets the ball back at the beginning of the second half. You get the ball back again. You score. Your defense only has to make one defensive stop. You get the ball back again, and then you score again. And with that, you have scored three unanswered times. And so it's not as crazy of a feat. And certainly in the uh, first half to second half scenario, your defense only has to go make one stop in order for this to be a uh, something a feat that could be pulled off by a team out there. So just something to think about whenever you look at these different props out there and you kind of start to scratch your head as to why a number is either so high or why a number is not paying you out near as much as you thought. It's because these scenarios actually play out a little bit more than you actually think. So just yeah. uh, just take that into account. And especially with a high total like this, too, I think it's it's far more likely to happen. It's interesting with these two teams because the the spread is close to even. So uh, it kind of balance each other out a little bit. I don't think you're going to see a, I don't think you're going to see a blowout in this game, certainly. But it, it could go back and forth uh, quite a bit as well. So I 
I, I can see why casuals would be confused about that. But I think in a high scoring, high scoring game, uh, high scoring environment like this one is expected to be, and I could see it happening pretty often. Guys, as we said, we're going to be back here on Friday. With that, we will give you all of our official picks here, what we really, really like, what we are going to be fading. We'll even give you a handful of props that have ended up in our accounts over the course of the week as well. This is a super exciting time for all of us. We're really, really uh, going to dissect this thing top to bottom and have you hopefully some good information that will lead you to betting this how you want to go. I mean, we're not going to say this is the way to bet. We're just going to say this is how we we went about it. However, we'll make a case for both of these teams. We'll make a case for the over. We'll make a case for the under. We'll make a case for different game scripts and what that means as far as how prop bets would go as well. Because if game scenario A plays out, I would bet it this way. But hey, it could be game scenario B. And if that's the case, then I would bet it this way. And we'll talk about all that on Friday and we'll have some great videos, great articles over at the lines as well. So be sure check back early and often over there and be sure and follow on all the social media and sign up for the email list as well, because those are going to be hitting your inbox this week and with some really great offers from all of the various sports books over there on the East coast in middle America as well. For Jay, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys a little bit later.